Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Stuff Your Ears. We are a podcast of Bismarck Community Church, and here we will give you conversations, discussions, as well as sermons and thoughts and ruminations that all are aimed at helping us to live, or at the very least, to understand what it means to live as a faithful Christian in a world that's often not quite what we wish it were. Glad you tuned in. I hope you enjoy. And as always, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. It's going to be hard to figure out how to bring a sermon now. And I am going to try to be brief because, you know, we're doing all these other things today. And, 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 and I, didn't, I didn't make a lot of notes because I thought, okay, we'll, we'll try to be short today. We'll see, we'll see how, how that goes. Um, because we're, we're also celebrating the Lord's Supper here in a few minutes. And I do want to leave time to make sure we can have good discipleship classes after the service. So I was thinking about this. We, we've been talking, right? We're, we're talking about these things. It's in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. If you've been here, you've heard this verse for the last several weeks. And the early church, the first believers that heard Peter's sermon and responded to it, remember they got that gut punch when they realized that they were guilty and they realized who they were before God and they kind of, they, they, they just, you know, and cried out, brothers, what, what can we do? And, and it changed them, it transformed their lives and they became devoted to four things. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. One of the things they were devoted to is the breaking of bread. That's what we're talking about today. It means to be devoted to breaking bread. Now, I have tried to sort of make the case the last several weeks that if we were as devoted to these things as they were, that our lives would be better than they are. That's, that's the case I've been trying to make. If I haven't stated it explicitly, there you have it. That's it. I, I, I believe that our lives would be better. Now, not in the sense, and I always have to say this, because I always think of C.S. Lewis who said, um, I didn't come to Christianity to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. Um, and, and so I don't mean that necessarily it'll make us happy. I just mean I think our lives will be better. Better the way theirs were. The things around us would be better. The, the, the things that happen to us, the way we feel, would be better if we were devoted to these four things. And so as I was thinking of breaking a bread, what comes to mind, and did a little digging, spent a little time doing all kinds of Google searches this week, <laughs> and what came to mind, what I realized, is probably the greatest epidemic the Western world has faced since smallpox, and the Black Plague, and I, I don't think I'm over-exaggerating this, is loneliness. Loneliness. It's hard to believe. But more, actually, more than 62% of U.S. American adults claim to be have feelings of loneliness. And by the way, single folks, that number is the same across the board. Turns out marriage is not the answer to loneliness. You just need to know that. Loneliness, scientists have discovered, is equivalent on our bodies of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. 
It can lead to heart disease. It can lead to diabetes. It can lead to arthritis because we hold loneliness, like many other things, in our very bodies. Turns out we're not designed to be this emotional creature that lives in a physical being. No, we're actually a whole being, a physical, emotional soul. That's what we are. And and loneliness, which sounds like a soul disease, actually affects our very bodies. And by the way, the epidemic is getting worse. More than 62.5% of American adults are lonely. It's 79% of 18 to 24-year-olds are lonely. So in 30, 40, 50 years, that 62% is going up as some of us go to the next phase and those 18 to 24-year-olds begin to fill out the numbers. Guess what? It gets worse. Now, we can debate all day, what are the causes, why is this happening, what's going on, it's those stupid devices that we all have near us all the time in multiple formats, right? Right, we can debate that, but I, I don't want to do that. I want to talk about what I believe, I really believe with all of my heart, is our answer. I really do. I believe God gives the church a mission to be, well, salt and light to the world, to make the world a better place. And I believe he gives us the tools for that mission. And I believe that being devoted to the breaking of bread is a part of how we can battle the epidemic of loneliness. Now, as I started digging around, right, this phrase, breaking of bread, it's an, it's an interesting phrase. And it is used all over the Bible. In fact, the imagery of bread is used all over the Bible. But this breaking of bread in particular in the New Testament, turns out scholars have been debating, and they're unsettled, and they don't know the answer to this, okay? When the New Testament writers wrote breaking of bread, were they referring specifically to the meal that we're about to celebrate? Lord's Supper, Communion... Eucharist, it goes by different names in different circles, right? Were they referring to this meal specifically, or were they referring to a common meal where brothers and sisters in Christ gather around, in their case, reclining around a table? We, sit, we would sit, when they gather around a table together and they share a common meal. And, 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 and it's unsettled, right? Because um, at one point, the phrase is used, Paul goes to a town in Acts, he shows up on a, a Tuesday, and he's in a real hurry to get out of there, and, and he, he, uh, he stays until the next Monday because he wants to stay and break bread. Breaking bread happened on Sundays, this, this breaking bread, happened on Sundays when they shared together in the Lord's Supper or communion, whatever you want to call it. He wanted to stay and celebrate that with them. I think he probably ate in their homes. Even in our passage in Acts 2.42, it says they were devoted to the breaking of bread, we, we think is the Lord's Supper, and then it says four verses down in 2.46 that they were breaking bread together every day in their homes. Now, if the early church was breaking bread together every day in their homes, why did Paul wait and leave after Sunday when they'd already, he could have broken bread any day in their homes? 
There's something specific, there's something sacred about this Lord's Supper, this celebration that he wanted to wait for that happened on Sundays, and yet breaking of bread, it's, I think, here's the point, I think it's murky on purpose. I think it's murky on purpose. 1 Corinthians gives us more information about the Lord's Supper than anything anywhere else in the, as far as in the early church, and they were, they were celebrating meals in their homes. The Lord's Supper is a meal. It's a part of a meal that brothers and sisters share together, but it's not the only thing. It's not the only meal brothers and sisters share together. There's a sense when we gather together around our tables in our homes and we break bread, we're sharing together. This is what I think they were devoted to. The Lord's Supper, certainly, but not merely as a sacred religious experience that we do only on Sundays, but breaking of bread together in their homes, around their tables, and with their friends, and with their families, and with brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what they were devoted to. The answer is yes, both. And when we gather around a table, and we share a meal, and when we break bread, which is the image itself, you're breaking it, you're sharing it, you're passing it around, what else are we doing? We're sharing our passions, we're sharing our interests, we're sharing our stories, we're sharing our hearts with one another. We're sharing a little bit of who we are. And what happens when you do that, right? Stops, it kills loneliness. That passage that Logan read for us is another really important thing that I think we need to think about when we think about bread. It says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground, what do we use wheat for? We use wheat for bread, right? There's wheat. Wheat in this. Isn't that right? Unless a grain of sand, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies. <laughs> you hear that? It dies. Unless, what, what, what does it say? What is it? Unless it dies, it will be, what's Jesus' word? Alone. Unless it dies, it will be alone. But if it does, it'll bear much fruit. It'll die and fall into the dirt and then it'll sprout up a plant which will lead to a whole bunch of other pieces and they'll all die and they'll all be ground up and they'll all be pressed with water and yeast and whatever else and they'll be baked together into this bread, which is a powerful image that runs from one page, from the, almost the opening pages of Scripture to the end. Bread. Why? Because it's such an image of what we are, what we're called to be as individual little grains of wheat who are called to die, to become one, and then to be broken and shared. Now what does that look like when we consider breaking bread together around our tables with our friends and family, with our neighbors, with our church family, it means we have to die. We have to be broken. And that's an image, isn't it? To be broken open, to be exposed, to be vulnerable. It feels like death a little bit. There are things in our story that we may not want to share. There are parts of ourself that we'd rather keep secret 
that we'd rather not be exposed, wouldn't we? We want so desperately to keep that hard shell of that grain of wheat tight and not expose it. We want, we want to harden and seal it up. And, and we'd really like it if we could stay that way over in a corner all alone. And that's why we're in such an epidemic of loneliness. Because you and I don't want to break open the grain of wheat. We don't want to expose ourselves. We, don't, we want to be invulnerable. We want to be protected. We want to be safe. And we don't want to be known. And so we won't be a grain of wheat that falls to the ground and dies and gives birth to so much fruit and so much life and brings so much to the world. No, we, we won't do that. We don't want to be that because we want to protect ourselves. So here's the question, I guess, for all of us to really consider and to struggle with and to wrestle with, and I hope you will. I hope we all will wrestle with this this week. When we think about breaking bread, are we devoted to protecting our privacy and our sacred space, or are we devoted to breaking bread with one another, inviting people in our homes, maybe, sharing a little bit of our story with people, revealing a little bit of ourself. Are we devoted to that, or are we devoted to being alone? As, as regular, even God-fearing Americans, right, if we put it like that, I know the answer, because I'm one of them too. <laughs> I know what we're really devoted to, okay? But I'm encouraging us to really do some work on ourselves about what we're going to be devoted to. Thank God for the mercy of Jesus, right? That we can, first of all, it's okay if you're like me and you hear this, you're like, well, I protect myself in my space. Me too, first of all. And second of all, Jesus loves us anyway, and he knows it. I know, I get it. He is so good and so kind and so gracious that he is loving us right through all of that. And he is calling us to something better and encouraging us to something better. And second of all, it's okay to break open that seed. Because first of all, he's already in there and he knows it all. And you know what? He still loves you. All the pain, all the shame, all the fear, all the doubt, all the regret, all of those things. Jesus is in the midst of and he is loving you in it. And he is calling us to a better place where we won't be alone. And where we can make all those around us feel a little bit less alone. That is what the church is called to. And I believe with all of my heart that combating loneliness is probably the greatest mission of the church in this generation. And I also believe that, that authenticity and vulnerability and being that grain that breaks open and dies is the best way that we can possibly combat loneliness. Let me pray for us. Jesus I thank you that you are good and kind, and I recognize that I struggle 
often <laughs> with uh, thinking I can be alone and be safe. I'm not safe alone. None of us are. Would you help us to find the space and the time and the places to break bread with one another, and as we do, to break open just a little bit, just a little bit of ourselves as well. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Would you help us to remember and to mimic, to, to model our, our prayer life after the, the one you taught us? We'll pray it together. Our Father, who art